This is one of my most favorite books. It's called The Tipping Point, written by the author Malcolm Gladwell, and it underscores a very simple idea. It's that in life there are these magic moments, uh, moments when ideas, trends, and social behavior crosses a certain threshold. It tips over, and all of a sudden, it spreads like wildfire, like. The cell phones. Uh, the cell phones were invented in the early 1970s, and for the next two decades, there were subtle improvements in form factor, network coverage, display size. But then, in the late 1990s, something extraordinary happens. The cell phones reach a tipping point, and all of a sudden, almost everyone has a cell phone in their back pocket. Now, why am I talking about all of this? Because something similar happened last year as well. Tata Technologies. Tata Technologies. Tata Tech. Tata Technologies. After almost two decades hitting the street with an IPO, is king at raising about four thousand crore rupees. Tata Motors, in fact, is now well on track to achieve zero debt on its India business. Very likely that this IPO may hit the markets sometime in the next financial year. See, in 2022, for the first time in U.S. history. Electric vehicles made up five percent of all new vehicle registrations in the country. Now, this five percent figure may not mean much to you, but if you ask industry experts what they think of this, they'll tell you that this has long been regarded as the tipping point for electric vehicles. Meaning, once they hit the five percent threshold, then electric vehicles achieve a critical mass beyond which their adoption is unstoppable. That electric vehicles will be the future, no matter what happens. Take a look at the purple line, right? So Norway hits the five percent mark in year zero, and then the share of electric vehicles just explodes. The purple line just goes up and up, and there's there's no stopping it. Today, around ninety percent of all new vehicles sold are battery operated. That's in Norway. It's insane. I mean, look at the grey lines also. Those are lines indicating the share of new electric vehicles in nineteen other countries. Once again, the same pattern. They hit the five percent mark, and most of them just go up. In fact, if you take the average, the green line, you will see that once a country hits the five percent mark, the share of new electric vehicles sold goes up to twenty-five percent in just four years, from five percent to twenty-five percent in just that period. And if the U.S. follows the same trend, by the year twenty twenty-five, there will be twenty-five new electric vehicles for hundred vehicles sold. This is a revolution. And it's happening because governments, car makers, and customers are waking up to the benefits of owning an electric vehicle. In Norway, for instance, the government offers massive tax concessions to anybody who buys an electric vehicle. They even offer free access to charging stations, public parking, and even the provision to use bus lanes. The European Union lawmakers have decided to completely phase out. All vehicles driven by internal combustion engines by the year 2035, and then you have automakers, conventional automakers. Even they have decided to phase out ICEs completely. Many automakers like General Motors, Volkswagen, Hyundai, and Honda have all committed to electrifying all of their vehicle offerings between the years 2025 to 2040, and that got me thinking: like this electric vehicle revolution. Is happening. It's here. It's happening now, and that means there are some massive implications involved. Because the truth is, conventional vehicles are nothing like electric vehicles. Conventional vehicles have engines. Electric vehicles don't have them. Instead, you have a motor. Conventional vehicles have exhaust systems. Electric vehicles have battery packs. 
Conventional vehicles are mostly built from steel because weight is not a major concern. Electric vehicles are built from aluminium. Conventional vehicles don't have complicated electronic systems. Electric vehicles have to have a complex electronic controller which controls your specific actions into things that the car can understand. Everything about electric vehicles are different when compared to a conventional vehicle. Now imagine all of these automakers who are desperately scurrying to somehow electrify their fleet in crunch timelines. Or there's a new startup trying to compete with the incumbents, somehow making their own innovative electric vehicles. Do you honestly think that it's possible for them to pull this incredible feat off in such a short period of time, just like that? Do you honestly think it's possible without some external help? I'll tell you, it's not. In fact, take the example of this company. It's called Winfast. It's a company based out of Vietnam. And in 2017, they decided to set up an automotive company. But they had some big ambitions. They said within three years, they would have an electric vehicle. At the time, everybody thought that this was bonkers. This is impossible to achieve. But then guess what? In three years, they actually launched a domestic electric vehicle and sold them in Vietnam. Now they're trying to move to the US. And guess how this was possible? Guess how they could turn around a fully functional electric vehicle in just such a short period of time? It's because they had some help. Help from companies like Tata Technologies. And that's the story for today. Now, if you don't know anything about Tata Technologies, know that this company offers ER&D services to other auto manufacturers. ER&D meaning engineering research and development services. So if a company like Jaguar Land Rover wanted to build an, a vehicle right from scratch, then Tata Technologies will design, conceive and build the product for them right from scratch. And the key word here is automotive companies, not just electric manufacturers. But the truth is, the more I read the DRHP, the more I kept seeing these words, electric vehicles, batteries, EVs, and I couldn't help but notice that the explicit focus for Tata Technologies has to be the EV space, even though they say that they outsource their services to almost all kinds of automotive companies. And that's one of the reasons why I began this story with a long sermon on electric vehicles. Because the truth is, almost all of the new research and development spends are going into the electric vehicle space. And Tata Technologies wants to be there. It wants to be in the pole position. In fact, three of Tata Technologies' top clients, including uh, Jaguar Land Rover, Tata Motors and Winfast, have all committed to electrification. Tata Motors is already one of the leading electric car manufacturers in the country. Jaguar Land Rover, well, granted they've been late to the party, but just last two weeks, they released a note explaining how they are now going to electrify almost all of their production facilities. And then there's Winfast, a company I told you that was only created in 2017, but within five years, they're shipping electric cars to the US. And Tata Technologies made all of this happen. Tata Technology has its hand in almost the entire pie of the EV stack. They're helping people build infotainment systems, driver assistance systems, telematics, uh, completely revamp entire manufacturing lines, production lines. It's all them. And all of this engineering consultancy and design work are all subbed into the services segment and form about 80% of the company's revenue. Now, truth be told, they don't just do consulting work for automotive companies, they also do them for aerospace companies and some heavy machinery manufacturers as well. But that's just a tiny part of their revenue, so we won't focus on that. 
The remaining 20%, on the other hand, comes from technology solutions, where they actually sell software to auto manufacturers. They also do some work in the education sector. Uh, for instance, in the year 2020, they signed an MOA with the state government to completely upgrade and revamp the electronic infrastructure in almost 150 ITIs across the state. Put together, the company posted revenues of about 3,500 crores in the last financial year, that is FY22. In FY23, they could actually go on to post 4,000 crores in revenues if they continue with the same run rate that they've been maintaining between April and December 2022. Uh, that's a top-line growth of about 12.5%, quite impressive. Uh, they also posted net profits of about 430 crores uh, for the financial year 2022. And uh, the interesting thing is that the profit margins are actually increasing. In FY22, they only had margins of about 8% and now it's at around 13.5%. Uh, something is happening. What's happening, you ask? Well, if you look at how companies like Tata Technologies operate, you'll see that they have a very distinct focus on human manpower. I mean, after all, the kind of work that they do is largely consultancy focused, right? I mean, the design work, engineering, research and development, you need people to do all of this. And so if you look at these expenses over the years, you'll see that there's been a distinct shift in pattern, a minor shift, but a shift nonetheless. For instance, if you express employee benefit expenses as a percentage of the revenue, you'll see that it's dropped from 49% in FY20 to close to 46% in the last nine months between April and December. This could happen because of two reasons. One, if Tata technology somehow manages to get more out of each employee, they could theoretically get more work done by keeping costs constant. This would inevitably improve margins. However, if you look at the utilization rate of employees, you'll see that that number has remained constant except for one abnormality during the pandemic year. Uh, they've been in the range of 86 to 87%. So it's not fair to say that Tata Technologies is somehow getting more from each employee. The other explanation is that Tata Technologies is somehow bagging high value projects with better margins, maybe because of their focus on the EV segment, although this is highly speculative. It could also mean that they somehow have managed to get better bargaining power because of the experience that they have. But no matter how you look at it, the margins are improving and the financials look really good. The company has zero debt, revenues are growing, profits are growing, margins are improving and they're tending to the EV segment, a segment that I explained repeatedly is likely to explode. So by all means, this should be an IPO that's red hot, no? Well, not quite. There are some issues. And the first issue that I encountered is that this space is extremely competitive. I mean, think about this. I've already said that the EV market is going to explode and that will also mean that there's going to be some extreme competition in the space, meaning companies like Tata Technologies who will also want to be doing the same things will be fighting tooth and nail for every project, which means that it's going to be hard for Tata Technologies to keep bagging new projects and keep increasing their bargaining power in perpetuity. Now, if you read the DRHP, you'll see that Tata lists out four key competitors. And the funny thing is that two of the competitors are Tata's own companies, Tata Elexi and TCS. 
Now, I won't talk too much about TCS because they tend to clients in the banking and the financial sector and they're pretty big anyway, you can't do much about them. But I will talk about Tata Alexi because they do some of the same things that Tata Technologies does and 42% of their revenue comes from the automotive sector. So it's almost like both Tata companies are fighting for the same pie. Now, if you ask Tata Technologies about this, they'll tell you that there's a lot of difference between the two companies. That Tata Alexi is focused on providing design solutions, whereas Tata Technologies is mostly focused on hardware and engineering services and all that kind of stuff. But still, if you're an investor, you should be slightly concerned. Also, there's the fact that the financials for Tata Alexi actually look slightly better at first sight. Uh, for instance, profit margins for Tata Alexi range anywhere between 20 to 22%, whereas for Tata Technologies, it's around 13%, although it's improving. Now, why is this happening? Well, multiple reasons. One reason could be that Tata Alexi caters to a very different kind of clients. For instance, they don't just work with auto companies, but they also work with healthcare and other segments, and maybe the margins are better there. But it could also mean that the business for Tata Alexi is actually structured slightly differently when compared to Tata Technologies. For Tata Alexi, almost 75% of their services are delivered offshore, meaning the outsourcing is done to low-cost countries like India and China, and hence they can actually improve their margins by saving on cost. Whereas with Tata Technologies, that figure stands at around 50%. So their costs are slightly higher, which could perhaps explain why their margins are lower. So if as an investor, I had to choose between Tata Alexi and Tata Technologies, I would have a tough choice. Because with Tata Technologies, you obviously have the potential of EV and higher growth opportunity. But with Tata Alexi, you also get some of the same benefits with slightly better financials. So what are you going to pick? And then there's the concentration risk. Uh, nearly 72% of their revenue comes from their top five clients, which are all in the automotive sector. In fact, the top two clients, that is Jaguar Land Rover and Tata Motors Limited, or both Tata companies, contribute nearly 40% of their revenue. So if this relationship is hampered or if there's some kind of slowdown in the automotive sector, that's going to deeply affect Tata Technologies. You'll have to bear the downside. And finally, there is the attrition problem. Uh, attrition rates have jumped from 11% to 25% after 2021, uh, meaning Tata Technology employees simply didn't want to stick around. And while this hasn't impacted the financials just yet, it's not to say that it won't hamper them in the future. And there's one last thing. It's that Tata Technologies actually doesn't need money. They're not going for an IPO because they want to raise money from the public. Instead, they're doing it because they want to find an exit for investors who have already put their money in Tata Technologies. And the thing is, this isn't always viewed very favorably by the investing community. So while there is immense growth potentials, there are also some issues. But despite all of this, Tata Technologies is one of the few companies that can truly participate in the EV story going forward. And that has to count for something. It's at a tipping point. And if everything goes well, the stock could be a winner in the future. The only concern is whether they're going to price the IPO conservatively and whether it's going to be distinct enough to separate themselves from Tata Alexi. We'll just have to wait and see how things pan out.
But until then, hopefully this video has given you an understanding of what the company does and hopefully you have a better idea about the IPO itself. That's it from me and thank you for watching this video. Hopefully you liked it and if you did like it, please subscribe to the channel, like and also leave a comment uh, explaining what you think of the IPO and whether you're invested in other Tata companies, anything else that you might want to share with me. I'll be reading all of them and hopefully replying to them as well. That's it from me. Bye-bye.